What's up, guys? This is Danny Langloss. Thank you for joining us today, and thanks for being part of the Leadership Excellence community. Super excited about our episode today. Also wanted to recommend a couple other episodes we released a little while ago. Episode 25 with Tony Gamble, Why Self-Leadership is Your Most Important Leadership Skill. It's a great episode. Episode 30, Why Belonging is Essential in the Workplace with Rebecca Fraser-Thill. Belonging is such an important topic today. And episode 35, Fail Proof, Becoming the Unstoppable You with American Ninja Warrior, Alex Weber. All right, hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss. Today, we're joined by Ed Everts, and he's going to share his nine principles of career success. Ed's the founder and president of Excelius Leadership Development, a Boston-based coaching organization. He works with successful leaders to increase self-awareness so they can manage themselves more productively, with successful teams to ensure their time together is as productive as possible, and with smaller organizations at a pivot point in their evolution to help them plan strategically and purposefully. He recently released his new book, Drive Your Success, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success. He's the host of Be Brave at Work, a weekly podcast in which leaders share stories about bravery or the lack of it and their careers and the impact their choices have had on their career progression. Ed, welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Thank you, Danny. It's uh, great to be here. Ed, did I get the, the name of your company right? Did I say that right? Could you say it again for us? Uh, you did get it right. It is Excellius Leadership Development. Excellent. So your book, Drive Your Career, when was that released? So that was released in September of 2020, so a little bit over a year ago. What inspired you to write this book, Ed? Well, my first book, Raise Your Visibility and Value, was really a reflection on my prior 25 years in corporate America and the lessons I learned and the observations I had on how to be successful in an internal environment. When I left corporate America and transitioned to an independent practice, after about 13 years, I began to observe certain stories or anecdotes that would come up again and again and again with clients, regardless of who they were. They could be company presidents, they could be frontline supervisors, but these stories influenced and impacted them. So I had what I call one of those shower moments where I said, you know what, maybe I should be paying attention as to what these stories are. And this could be the content for my next book. And so I observed nine behaviors or activities that people do or need to do in order to really drive their career. I found that a lot of people were passengers in their career and things kind of unfolded naturally. And I'd like to think that most people wanna be a driver of their career, that they think about where they wanna go, that they think about what they wanna do, and they need to take certain steps or take certain actions in order to make good progress. Excellent, You're, you, you are like the perfect guest for my show because I love, to, to talk to people, like you have 25 years of corporate experience, and then you, you stepped in transition into the consulting world and working with people. And I, the reason that, that that is one of my favorite things and my favorite people to interview is because you've been there, you've done that. It's different, you know, being there day in and day out and operating within a culture with people that you see every single day, right? So you got to have that. But then when you go out and you consult, you get to an inside view and the minds of so many great leaders 
but into so many different organizations. I think it's the perfect round. And so I'm super excited to hear about these nine behaviors today. Ed, could you just go ahead? Well, I was just going to say, you know, one of the significant differences, Danny, is that when you work for a company, it's a uh, similar mission, similar goals, similar people. And those are great experiences that you can build in order to navigate those relationships and continue to be relevant and impactful. When you transition to being a consultant, now the door is open and you're working with all sorts of people at all sorts of companies doing all sorts of different things. And yet their experiences can be very, very consistent. And so that also is what kind of led to the book I wrote, which is drawing these nine things that I think apply to everyone no matter what level you're at, no matter what organization you're in, you know, these are behaviors or activities that you need to think about doing to uh, make good progress. Yeah, I love the, what, the, the things that drive our success, they're, they're universal, right? And just like we talk about in the introduction of the podcast, you know, the principles of leadership are universal. They transcend across all organizations. And so to, to be able to see that, and it just drives that home. Ed, would you be willing to, to share and just list out those nine behaviors, those nine principles of career success. And then I want to ask some questions and we're just going to, for our listeners, take a dive into a couple of these today. Absolutely. And I just want to point out, Danny, that I did not put these in order of importance. So somebody could read number seven or read number two and be impacted by it. You don't have to read all nine. I don't believe all nine apply to everyone, but uh, you know, most of these can be good observations or experiences that you might have at some point in your career. The only exception is chapter number one, which is have a positive relationship with your boss. I did start with that for a reason, because I think that's so critically important for people in their corporate careers. So have a positive relationship with your boss is number one. No one knows you better than you do. Be the most curious person in the room. Bell curves rock. Uh, colleagues are your best resource play the hand you've been dealt, pausing is powerful, it's all about feedback, actually it's all about empathy. And so those are the nine areas that I talk about in the book. So if you don't mind, let's go ahead and start. And it's the first one that I marked, it's the top, such an important thing. I've, I've felt this impact in my career. Have a positive relationship with your boss. You wanna dive into that? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I love this chapter as well, because this is not something people think about all the time, or if they do think about it, they don't think there's anything that they can do about it. And after being a leadership coach for about 13 years, you know, I would tell you that at least 85 percent, and I'm not a sociologist, so I've not done this as a formal study, but, you know, I would tell you at least 85 percent of my clients wish they had a stronger or more positive relationship with their boss. I'm not suggesting you are best friends and go out for drinks every Friday night, but you want to ensure that if the CEO of the company asks your boss about you, that your boss has something positive and constructive to say. So you own making sure that you have a positive relationship with your boss. Of course, it's a relationship. And of course, your boss needs to participate in it, but you can't wait for your boss to do it. You need to ensure that when you think about your relationship with your boss, that it's positive and constructive and future focused, and you own taking steps in order to make that progress. So what are some steps we can take to intentionally create this positive relationship with our boss? I'm a big believer in conversation. And oftentimes in busy corporate environments, we spend all of our time talking about the what we're working on, and we don't spend enough time talking about the how we work together. And so I believe if you're brave and that if you can find time with your boss 
And I know all bosses don't fit this profile. There are some bosses who are impossible to work for. So this isn't meant to be a magic solution for everyone. But if you have a strong relationship with your boss uh, and or a good relationship, uh, it's important to find time to talk about how to improve this relationship. So you could schedule time with your boss by saying, you know, hey, Danny, I think we've got a great relationship. I think it could be even better. Would you be willing to sit down and talk about how we can make positive progress? And I believe, and in my clients' experiences, that the vast majority of bosses would say absolutely. So the first step and thing you need to think about is, you know, what, uh, you know, what can I say and how can I start a conversation with my boss about how to make great progress? And you know, I said that's the first thing you should do. And really, the true first thing you should do is sit back and think about. What is the status of my relationship with my boss? If I was to put it on a scale of one to six, one being it's horrible, six being we can complete each other's sentences, you know, where would I put it? And if you're anywhere at a four or below, you probably need to be doing things in order to make positive progress with your boss. So you talk about, okay, first you assess what is that relationship? What do I, what do I think that relationship is to conversation? intentionally looking to build and drive, create a relationship with your boss. What, what's next? What, what are some other things that, that people can do to create this relationship? There's a couple of great questions you can ask in this relationship building effort. This is not a one-time event where you have a conversation and now everything's buttercup and roses and uh, we move forward. This is an ongoing activity that you need to continue to manage. There's a couple of questions that you can ask. One is to really find out what your boss's goals and objectives are. Oftentimes when bosses stand up in a meeting and talk about what they're working on, again, they talk about the what they're working on, the projects, the initiatives, the goals. They don't really talk about their own personal objectives. You know, where do I want to be in five years? What do I want to accomplish here at this company? Do I want to be president? Do I want to be a senior vice president? Do I want to be here for five years and then move on to my next opportunity? We don't know, right? So, you know, asking your boss, you know, what is it that you're attempting to achieve here and then how can I help is a great way to build that relationship and ensure that you're moving in the direction of a positive relationship. The second thing you can do is ask your boss what I call the miracle question, which is what's one or two things I can do differently to be more effective, right? So now you're asking about yourself and you're asking your boss for that feedback. And the beauty of the question is you're only asking for one or two things. You're not asking for 30 or 40. Uh, you're asking what you can do differently. I would encourage people not to use phrases like better or worse, because those feel like judgments and people are typically uncomfortable uh, judging others. But difference means it's just not the way you're doing it now. There's another way that you might think about doing it. And then how can you help me be effective? I mean, who wouldn't want to help somebody else feel more effective? So I encourage people to ask their boss and, in fact, peers and subordinates at least once or twice a year, you know, what's one or two things I could be doing to be more effective. That absolutely one of the couple of things I'd written down as I'm thinking about this and thinking about my own career um, is, you know, there's no greater respect you can pay somebody than to ask them for help and to, to ask them to be a coach or a mentor or to, to seek this critical feedback. What are one or two things I can do differently to be more effective? Cause you let the boss know, you're important. I respect you. I trust you. And the thing is, we're just, we're all human beings. And so while that is very effective for a boss talking to their employee, it's very effective for the employee to talk to the boss. The other thing 
I've found that I think is important. You talk about like, what are their goals and what are, you know, what's their five-year goals or what are their short-term goals, whatever it may be, but also like truly getting to know them as a whole person. Right. And, and sometimes that comes from a conversation with the boss that sometimes that comes from just listening, but understand what makes the boss tick, understand what's important to them personally and professionally, because we do, we, we make connection on commonalities. And then the last thing I kind of wrote down was be highly responsive. My, my wife, um, she's a kindergarten teacher and, um, it's, it's funny as she sees this, she was in first, second, third grade, taught fourth grade. And she's felt this her whole career. Like our first impression, when we go into a place, when we meet somebody is the lasting impression, knock it out of the park the first time. And then the lens they see you through is the person that knocks it out of the park. So even if you don't quite get there, they still see it in that way. Conversely, if you go in and you're late and you're sloppy and you're not doing a good job and you had a, you had a bad day, which does happen. Now, all of a sudden, the lens you're seeing through is that and you could be doing even better, but they see it. They see it as less. Anything else you want to share or comment on before we move to the next one? Two things I just want to mention, Danny, based on your comments. One is this uh, need or belief that helping is some kind of sign of weakness. And I don't know if this is what we were taught in junior high and high school and college, but, you know, we've not been trained or uh, educated on how to help or be asked for help from others. And maybe the word help is not the best word, but I agree with your assessment that if you ask somebody for assistance or ask for their opinion or ask for an observation, it is a compliment and they will be flattered that you're asking it. Nobody is perfect. Nobody has all the answers. And every once in a while, you need to reach out and build your knowledge and capabilities by asking for help. And yet, culturally, we have been brought up just to believe that we can't do this or it's bad to do that, because if I'm in a particular role, I'm expected to know everything, right? And of course, it's impossible to know everything. So that, you know, that need or belief that asking for help is, uh, I think, a super important behavior that you want to think about as you work on driving your career. No, absolutely. And, and when we ask people for help and they choose to help us, if they want to be a coach or a mentor to us, when we choose to help people, um, and we care about them, we become invested. And when your boss becomes invested in you, that's a very powerful driver. Number one, have a positive relationship with your boss. Okay. The next one I want to ask you about is be the most curious person in the room. Why is, why is that important for career success? So I think this is one of the more important chapters in the book. And the, the basis of this really came from Stephen Covey's book, the seven habits of highly effective people. And in that he lists seven habits that people should do in order to be more effective. And habit number five is my favorite, which is seek first to understand, then to be understood. And unfortunately, again, we've been raised to do it the other way, which is seek first to be understood. And then if you have time, you might understand the other person, but you know, we don't focus more on the other person. So being the most curious person in the room is somebody who works really hard to ensure that they fully understand your perspective, why you think what you think, where this experience is coming from, and then you share your perspective and observation. And oftentimes you can be influenced in a positive way by the perspectives of others. But unfortunately, in most uh, relationships, we jump to the conclusion that we wanna share, or we jump to our answer without really thinking about and experiencing the other person first. You know, if I was in a debate or a battle, the first thing I'd want to know is what the other person has and what they're bringing so I can be better prepared to do it. 
And so chapter uh, that talks about curiosity really focuses on ensuring that you pause and think a little bit about how can I be curious? How can I ensure that I know everything that this person is going to talk about and have a perspective on so it can positively influence our conversation, our relationship, and our progress? Seek first to understand and be understood. It's one of the laws of leadership I've adopted. Um, I didn't do a very good job of this coming in to I my career. <laughs> no, you know, it's funny. So I came into my career as a police officer, 21 years old, eager, wanted to show that I had value, wanted to show that I belonged. You know, somebody would ask a question, somebody would say something. I needed to, to interject and show I knew the answer. And so that landed me third from the bottom on evaluations on a 30 person department. And it's funny because we go back to number one, building the relationship with your boss. I was frustrated. I knew I was doing a good job and I knew the job. And my police chief um, saw I was struggling and he called me in. He goes, Danny boy, he goes, I want to help you. And I'm like, thank you. He's like, this is a perception issue. And he said, go and talk to each of the, of the sergeants, because they were the ones doing the evaluations, tell them that, you know, you notice you've been struggling a little bit, you want their help, you've got a lot of respect for them, and what, what guidance or advice do they have for you? And, um, and he said, nobody's really going to give you anything, but it's going to completely change the way they look at you. And he was right. I had these conversations, paid the sergeants great respect, meant it. Um, wanted to do better. Nobody gave me a suggestion on how to do better. And three months later, I went to number one on evaluations and never looked back. And so this whole idea of one, tying in the power of the relationship with the boss, but two, the seek first to understand, then be understood, be curious. When we're curious, it doesn't come across as we know everything. And, and as you said, it, 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 it allows you to gather information, which is super important in relationships and conversations. Also, when we're curious, we ask questions, we allow people to be seen, we allow people to be heard, and we allow people to feel valued because we're doing that. And then, and then the last thing that comes to my mind is leaders speak last because if we come into a room or a conversation and we are the leader and we share our ideas and thoughts first, who wants to go against that? That's my boss. There's this power dynamic. And so if we truly want to understand and get these other ideas and, and accept the realization, have the humility to know we don't know everything, that's why we got this team. We can't do it all alone. This curious is, is so powerful. So do you have some actionable strategies to help people be more curious? Are there a couple things you want to take a deeper dive in there? Well, I would share one thing, Danny, which is, uh, you know, there's an industry that's been built a little bit around curiosity and questions and books written about questions. And I think we might be uh, over-educating people and intimidating people in some respects around curiosity. You know, I think a curiosity is a very simple exercise if you accept the premise that you need to be curious in order to understand other people more before you share your perspectives and ideas. And so it's, uh, you know, it's very simple in respect to the types of questions that you might ask. It could be things like, why do you feel that way? Uh, you know, where is that perspective coming from? What have you experienced that have led you to that conclusion? What other options have you thought about? You know, these are not complex questions. Uh, and then the other piece to curiosity is, you know, once you ask the question, you have to go quiet, right? You have to then sit and listen to what that person has to say, even if you don't agree, or even if you are uh, thinking a little bit differently. You know, a, a friend of mine quoted something to me at one point, and I'll probably mess this up, but you know, some people think to, uh, some people listen 
to listen, others listen to respond. And you know that's kind of the culture that we've been brought up in, that we listen to respond, that we're ready to jump in right before that person's even done talking because we wanna jump in and say something. And what I should be doing is really listening to understand to ensure I fully uh, uh, can take in and understand exactly what you're saying in order to respond appropriately. Listen to understand, not to respond. Right, pure, that's a better quote, that's it. Pure, pure, pure gold. The, go quiet. So much power in the pause. Some people take a little more time to formulate their thoughts and answer. And so by pausing, we allow them to do that. And a lot of times in that dead air, we feel the need to fill it. And when we do, we destroy our curiosity. We destroy our ability to understand. Two things I wrote down as you were talking. Listen without judgment. We have to be completely aware of ourself, of our EQ, of our body language. Because if you're talking and I'm not just being curious and non-judgmental, if I don't like what it is you're saying and I demonstrate that on my face with facial expressions, um, it's going to shut everything down. And, it, and, and it's, you know, you're going to you know, be seen as an imposter. You're, you're not really curious. You're playing some kind of game. Wow. Very good stuff. Very good stuff, Ed. So number two is, is uh, or number three is be the most curious person in the room. Love that. Anything you want to add to that before I ask about play the hand you're dealt? No, I just think, uh, you know, curiosity sounds easy and it is hard. It is hard to ask questions and be silent and listen for understanding. It's something that takes practice. So don't get intimidated. The first couple of times you attempt it and you fail or can't do it, you have to practice it. But I promise you what will happen as you get good at it is you'll start to feel the impact that curiosity can have on your leadership development and the relationships you're attempting to build within your organization. Yeah. And along the way, you're going to build trust and you're going to build influence. That, that's a big one. I love that career driver for success. Be curious. All right. Number six is play the hand you're dealt. Why is that so important for your career success? So I noticed uh, over the years as I were working with clients that they would love to talk about the past and they'd love to talk about what they experienced and why it was bad or why it was challenging. And they never really talked enough about the future and what they wanted to do and where they wanted to go. And so play the hand you've been dealt at, uh, from my perspective is my funnest chapter because <laughs> it also comes from my personal experience where I've played poker for a number of years with a group of friends and I find work experiences to be very similar to poker. And in a poker game, uh, cards are shuffled to create uh, randomness and you're dealt a hand. And in that hand, you have one of three options. You can either fold, you can bluff, or you can take action. And this is very true for workplaces that when I get hired, the experience that I have is gonna be very random. And that after a specific period of time, I'm gonna decide that either I need to fold which is, I don't think I made a good career choice and I need to leave and move on. I need to bluff, which is where most of my clients are. They're pretending it's better than it is, but at some point you have to show your hand and that's when your house of cards will fall or you take action. And that's where I work with clients to take action, to do something to improve their hand. And in poker, of course, you turn in a card and get another card. The goal is of course, to get a better card. 
But in, uh, at work, what you want to do is ensure that you are taking action, taking steps, having conversations with people to ensure that you build and get a better hand. And the great thing about work, um, different than poker, right? You're going to get a random card back. But, but there are so many things we can do. As you talked earlier about driving our car and taking ownership for our success. There are actionable things that we can do, behaviors, communication, relationships that we can build. And so if, if we are aligned with this company, if, if we like the culture, if we feel like we're able to make a difference, but maybe things aren't going so well, kind of like I talked about early in my career, right? There are steps and actions we can change, take to change the course of that. And we have a lot more control over that than I think people realize. One of the things I thought of immediately when I, when I saw Play the Hand You're Dealt is this whole idea, it's easy to become a victim, this victimization mindset, this poor me, this you know, things are stacked against me. Do you talk about that in this chapter? Um, what are your thoughts related to that? Well, that's what happens with most of the folks that I've worked with and both uh, in my coaching career as well as personally within my corporate career. Uh, you know, what our past has been sometimes can be so weighty, we get stuck there and we get stuck living in the past and experiencing the past. And when I work with clients, I always give them an opportunity, of course, to share what they're currently experiencing. But then I ask them what I consider to be a critical question, which is, thank you for sharing with me what you are currently dealing with. What are you going to do about it? And the goal there is to shift them to the future, right? So, okay, that's the hand you've been dealt. Either you got a bad hand or you've, you're in a great hand, you know, great relationships, great work experience. So many things are great. There's still other things you can do to make it better, but you know, now that we've talked about the hand you've been dealt, what are you going to do about it? And that's very, very important for people to get them more focused on not being a victim in respect to their situation, but becoming a hero, right? And taking steps, taking actions. All of these, of course, Danny, require bravery and courage in order to do them. But if you have higher self-awareness on who you are and what you want to accomplish and are directed to driving your career, your likelihood for doing things that can help you improve your hand are greater. You talk about the bravery and courage it takes. <clears throat> and that's why we've got to intentionally create these relationships and surround ourselves with great people. And so whether you're seeking out somebody in the organization or your boss to be a mentor or a coach, whether you're hiring uh, an expert like Ed, or, or whether you're developing mentors um, high level outside of your organization, it's really important to do because you, you can't always be brave and courageous. You can't always hold yourself accountable to the highest level. I mean, maybe some people can, but it's hard. And that's why when you surround yourself with these people that helps you see things differently, what, what are you going to do about it? Right? Like that's such a powerful question. And I guess my message to the listeners, and we talk about driving our success if you're trying to do it alone, you're doing it wrong. You, you might accomplish really good things, but you're, you're never going to reach your full potential. And so, especially as we look at this play in the hand you're dealt, we're, we're all going to run into tough times. I mean, I know I've been knocked down and knocked down and knocked down, and it's the people around you that help pull you up. And it's within you as well that you pull yourself up, but it's such an important thing. And, you know, anybody who feels sorry for themselves, that, that's not going to serve them well. We got to play the hand we're dealt. We, we, we have a choice. 
I love the analogy to, to poker. We can fold, we can bluff, we can take action. And more, more often than not, we can, we can take action as we're looking to drive our, our career success. Anything you want to add on to that, Ed, or we'll dive into the last one I'm going to ask about today? I just want to observe that I recognize that bravery and courage are hard to do, right? It's not like a pill you take and suddenly you're the bravest person ever. Uh, but uh, the key there, Danny, is that it takes practice. If you're never doing anything that requires bravery and you're never doing anything that requires courage, you're never going to be brave and courageous, right? So take small steps, look for conversations you can have with people that can help them be different in the workplace to be more effective, whatever it might be, start building that bravery muscle so that you can start to say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done on a regular basis. That, Ed, is pure gold. I love that. There's so many times we're going to have to be brave and courageous and we got to build it like a muscle. It's like going to the gym, working out, building muscle, building resilience there. So, so, so important. So the last one I want to ask about, and then if there's something you want to add that you really want to share, we'll, we'll get to that as well. Uh, number nine, actually, it's all about empathy. Why is that so important? So I believe empathy is a growing influencer in respect to organizations and you know, empathy to me, uh, you know, typifies what we call soft skills. And, you know, if I was king of the world, I would say we shouldn't call them soft skills. These are hard skills, right? These are hard things to do. Uh, delegating, communicating, uh, conflict navigation, demonstrating empathy. These are hard things to do. And so these are hard skills to learn. And I believe empathy is a strategic strategy in respect to, uh, uh, building relationships and ensuring that people are moving in the right direction in your organization. So uh, more and more leaders are getting curious about empathy. It's not something you do all the time. So you're not you know, constantly empathetic, but there are moments that are appropriate where you need to be empathetic in order to build relationships and keep things moving forward. And this chapter talks about uh, true client examples. And by the way, all nine chapters are based on real client examples the names have been changed, of course, to protect the guilty. But, uh, you know, this shows how empathy can be very effective in respect to helping you make progress in driving your career. Is there a story that sticks out to you from the chapter that, that you'd like to share? Are there some uh, specific strategies around empathy um, to help us be more empathetic? Because empathy, some people don't think if you're not empathetic, you, you can't learn to be empathetic. And I completely disagree. We can learn to do whatever it is we want to do. So how would you like to take that one? Yeah, I totally agree. I think empathy can be a learned skill. And, you know, the, the story is based on a client. Uh, the story in the chapter is based on a client who uh, worked for a boss who demonstrated zero empathy and was all wrapped up in his own career and his own objectives and his own ideas and totally steamrolled everybody else with whom he was working with. And it alienated people to the point that they didn't want to work for this boss, right? So while he might have thought of himself as great, nobody else did and turnover increased and dissatisfaction increased uh, equally. So uh, it was not, you know, he was not de demonstrating empathy in order to work with people. Uh, he was not my client, the person he uh, had worked for him was. So I couldn't get him to be more empathetic, although I shared it with him at one point. But, uh, you know, the key with empathy and, you know, I, I describe a model in the chapter. I'll talk about a couple of the quick steps. You know, the first quick step, which is the hardest step of all of them, is to notice when it's needed. And one of the key things that somebody who is not seen as empathetic 
uh, is recognized as is somebody who doesn't notice it and doesn't see it. Gee, Ed could have been a little bit more empathetic with Danny today, and he missed that opportunity. Ed just may never have seen it, right? So the first thing you have to do is practice looking for opportunities where you can demonstrate empathy. And then the second thing I would mention is you have to ask for permission. Just because you want to be empathetic doesn't mean the other person wants you to be empathetic with them. So you have to say, hey, Danny, it seems like you're having a tough day today. Are you okay talking about it with me? And Danny may say, absolutely, thank you. I'd love to talk with you about it. Or, you know what, now's not a good time. I'm not really in a good place. Maybe we could do it at another point in time. But you have to ask for permission in order to have the conversation that allows you the ability to demonstrate empathy. So first, you have to notice that there's a need, which is very, very important and the key step that most people miss. And then you have to ask for permission. There are other steps in the book that uh, you know folks can read if they purchase the book. What So... Why is empathy such a powerful trust relationship and influence developer? It's for those exact reasons. It's a fantastic way to build trust with others. It's a fantastic influencer of others. And I mean, influencer in a positive way. It's not manipulative or getting people to do things they don't want to do. But, you know, empathy is about meeting people where they are, not where you are. So you may completely disagree with whatever it is that has me bummed out today but I'm there to listen. I'm there to reflect on what you're hearing and saying, gee, Danny, it seems like this has really impacted you in a tough way today and work with them to create steps in order to navigate through it. A leader will be seen as more connected, more relationship focused, more engaged with others if they demonstrate empathy. If they never demonstrate empathy at all, they'll be seen as cold, clinical, uh, disengaged from people. And that is not a, an effective way to be a great leader in organizations. No, absolutely. And, and more important today than ever, this humanistic side of leadership, people are not going to be seen as a number or an object that accomplishes somebody else's success. They, they want to be connected. They want to feel like they truly belong. They want to feel like they're important. They want to feel like they're making a difference. They, they want to be appreciated for the work that is they're doing. And so when I, when I think about empathy, I think about leading the whole person. Absolutely love what you said and talk to our leadership teams throughout the years about this work with clients on it. We got to meet people where they're at, not where we're at. And just because we might've experienced the same thing doesn't mean we should expect them to be where we're at. I mean, as soon as we do that, we lose and we've right. got to meet them where they're at. And then we got to be curious, right? We got to ask questions. And we got to see how we can best connect and help them. And another thing you said, like, this isn't a game. This isn't about like, you know, some just strategy you do to get where you want to go. Um, people will read right through that. I mean, if you truly care about your people, when you implement these, these success strategies that Ed has shared with us, it's going to take you a long, long ways, but you got to, you got to care. You got to truly care about other people or you got to find a career where you can be really successful alone. Um, Ed, do you have uh, a call to action for our listeners or anything else you'd like to share as we, as we head out today? Well, I would end with uh, something we started with, Danny, which is sit back and think about your relationship with your boss. And on a scale of one to six, uh, assess where you are in that relationship. And a one, of course, is somebody who doesn't have a relationship with their boss at all. And it could be for a number of reasons, not their own fault, but it could be due to geography or the boss's behavior, et cetera. 
a six is somebody, uh, as I say, who can complete each other's sentences and you have a fantastic relationship, but you really need to think about where you are in that relationship with your boss. And if you are at a four or lower, do something about it. Do something about it. It's, it's up to us. It really is. Um, you know, we, th- there's so much control over that. And when I think about, when I think about um, this relationship with the boss, it is something like you said, you've got to invest in. It's not a one-time thing because that relationship, it, it can change, yes. you know, and, and it's something relationships are something that we have to maintain. And so that's super, super important. So today talking to Ed Everts, um, his, his new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success. It's out, available now. I just love these nine strategies. We, we took a deep dive into how important it is to have a positive relationship with your boss, actionable strategies within that. Be the most curious person in the room. Stephen Covey's fifth habit, seek first to understand, then be understood. Um, so many drivers and connectors there. Play the hand you're dealt. Like this is what it is. And there's always a way, right? And, and the, the tougher the situation, the further we have to lean in. Challenge equals opportunity. The greater the challenge, the greater the opportunity. And then, you know, finally we talked about actually it's all about empathy. And empathy is a place that we can really connect, build trust, build influence with our team. Um, and I think empathy is a huge part of that ownership side, uh, which is where we want all our team members to be that extreme emotional, psychological commitment to the team, to the organization, to its goals, where they're doing things uh, because they're important to them, not because they're told to do it. Ed, on our way out, where can people find you? Where can they connect with you at? Well, thank you so much for your time today, Danny. I've loved our conversation. And if folks want more information, the best place to go is my website, excelius.com. I'll spell it E-X-C-E-L-L-I-U-S.com. Excellent. And you're on LinkedIn as well, right? I am. LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, All everywhere. Right. Ed, thank you so much for, for joining us today. I really, really love these nine principles. And if people listen, take action you know, buy the book, take a deeper dive, so much more gold here. Our success is really our choice. So, so thanks again, Ed. Thank you, Danny. To our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating and review uh, so we can reach more people organically. And remember, always be committed to excellence.